You're listening to episode number 15 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today and introduce you to our guest speaker, Stephanie Hendrick. But before we jump right into her introduction, I really want to let you guys know how I met Stephanie. So through the Purpose Gathering community, we have a mutual friend, and that friend introduced me to her, and I have had the absolute honor of getting to know a little bit more about who she is, her story, and just her mission. I have been so inspired and impacted by her story, and I know that you will as well. If you're looking for a community of like-minded mompreneurs where you can be surrounded by go-getters and mamas who are chasing their dreams, but also understand the struggles that we face raising our families at the same time, I invite you to join our free Facebook community called The Purpose Gathering Mamas. All you need to do is head to thepurposegathering.com slash Mamas, that's M-A-M-A-S, and sign up there. Get plugged in. Be authentic and vulnerable, and that way you can really develop and grow. I am so excited to see you there. But on to today's episode, I'm excited to introduce to you Stephanie Hendrick. She's the founder of Meant for More, a platform designed for today's female entrepreneurs and mompreneurs alike. Through motivational speaking, one-on-one business coaching, and the release of her debut book, she inspires and shifts the mindset barriers holding so many women back from pursuing their purpose and scaling their businesses. In today's episode, she is going to share with us what it looks like to fail forward, how to use your failures as fuel, and how we can actually use and leverage our failures to share with fellow entrepreneurs and use those to help them learn and grow. Because keeping our failures to ourselves and trying to pretend like they never happened is not actually allowing us to move forward and to help other people. So she's going to be sharing with us her story, her journey through entrepreneurship, and also the not-so-glamorous side of entrepreneurship and having kids and how sometimes it can overlap and get messy. So I'm super excited to dive into the conversation, and I know that you're going to love it. Hey, Mama. Welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mompreneurs out there feeling torn between raising a thriving family and building a business you love. I'm a photographer, community founder, podcaster, wife, and mama saved by grace, so I can totally relate to you multi-passionate mamas. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to find peace and passion in motherhood and business so that you can have more time for the things that matter, like Netflix and cookie dough. But seriously, are you ready to transform your life from feeling frazzled to focused and be equipped with the tools you need to juggle all the things? If so, you're in the right place. All right, guys, I am so excited to introduce you to Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. I would love for you to just take a second right now and just introduce us to you and your story and how life has kind of taken you from one business to the current one you're in now. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here to talk with you and your community. My story, you know, when I think back on it, I love to start in college. And the reason I say that, I'm actually an ASU grad, go Sun Devils, 
And, you know, when I was in college, I started out as a journalism major. And the reason I mention that is because, like probably most of us, when we got to college, we were following our passions. We were, we probably had a major for, because some lit our soul on fire. And that was me. For me, I knew that I loved writing. I knew that I loved speaking, being in front of the camera. I didn't know exactly how it was going to look career-wise, but I was headed down that path. And what ultimately ended up happening about two years in was I started getting chances to speak with people that were in TV journalism. And there was a conversation I had with a prominent TV anchor one day, and she told me about the, uh, the raw and real that was going to happen when I graduated college if I pursued a career in, in broadcast journalism. And she began to describe to me that I was probably going to have to put off having a family for many years, that I was going to have to move away to a really small market, maybe be in a podunk town while. And she said, but, you know, just hopefully someday you can get back to Phoenix, you know, if everything goes right, but just work really hard. And as much as I appreciate that conversation, I have to do that being probably about 20 years old at the time, it terrified me. And I ultimately let fear just completely derail me, derail me to the point where I changed my major to business and never looked back. And so graduating college then with suddenly a new business degree and no plan with it, I kind of just did what came naturally. And that was, you know, as I met my husband, we had both been working in the mortgage industry and we decided to team up and grow a sales team together. And so that's exactly what we did. And what started off just us kind of dipping our toe into things and seeing how it went um, ultimately turned into over a decade of he and I taking things from scratch to scaling a very, very large and successful uh, sales team in the mortgage industry. And it's amazing how when you look back, you, you don't even realize how much time is going by or why you're ever within a certain industry or why you're on a path, how you got there. And it wasn't until, you know, fast forward several years, like I said, it was about a decade in and we had two daughters at the time and I was driving them to school one morning and my oldest daughter was just kind of thinking in the backseat and asked me, uh, she started talking about, you know, what she wanted to be when she grew up and she was struggling to come up with what she wanted. She was getting a little bit frustrated and, and then she just kind of came out with it and said, mom, is, did you always know that you wanted to run a business with dad and, and work in that type of business? And I was such a simple question, right? But I was completely dumbfounded. I, I didn't know what to say. I just fumbled through my words with her, told her, you know, no, it's not what I always planned on doing. It's just the way it worked out. And, you know, dropped the kids off at school a few minutes later pulled over on a street south of the school and had a complete breakdown, complete breakdown. And in that moment realized, you know, I had been just on this path for over a decade that I never set out to be on, that I gave into fear all those years ago after that conversation with that TV news anchor, gave into fear and let go of my passions, let go of any sense of purpose and also came to the reality that I had two daughters that I was telling, you know, chase your dreams. You can be whatever you want. But yet I wasn't showing them that as, as a mom. And so it was in that moment that I decided to begin what was a long process of transitioning out of that business with my husband and ultimately to the path on now with 
I have where I've you know written a book. The first book is coming out later this year and uh, motivational speaking nationwide. So it's been quite a journey. <laughs> oh my gosh, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing that. That is absolutely incredible that you would even have the guts to take all of that and pivot and turn and start chasing your dreams that you've always had. That's inspiring. So there's often shame in our failures, sometimes even embarrassment. So can you share with us a failure or two and how that shaped you later in life? Like what led you to finally make that decision? Gosh, yeah, I think when, so finding how failure can weave into this, right? Because that's of course the first thing that comes to mind for people is if they're going to make a huge pivot, whether it's in the business they have now or doing something like I did, where you completely change careers, change course entirely, failure creeps up into your mind. You think that this is a, a huge risk that I'm taking. I think because I have had several very significant failures in my past and I've learned so much from them, I can look back and tell you exactly how each failure has shaped me into the person I've become. Um, I think that's what kind of gave me the courage to know hey, you failed numerous times before. Um, you try this. You're, you're probably going to fail, but you'll stumble your way through and you'll get there. Uh, thinking back, I mean, a couple of failures that st stand out in my mind, going back to those college days, I was, so I was a college student and I didn't live that traditional college life. Like a, a lot of us think, oh, college, you were in the dorms and you were partying and maybe you had classes that were like late morning or afternoon. I mean, everything revolved around campus life, right? For me, not so much. I actually um, had, I had bought my first house sometime during college. So I, I basically committed myself to having to continue to work full-time. So I'd been working full-time, purchased that house, and then had to um, you know, continue to work full-time. I was working about 50 to 60 hours a week. And then I was taking all of my classes either very early in the morning or I would take them in the evening. And so... I ultimately ended up overextending myself, like beyond belief. I mean, it's probably not hard to realize that I, I burned myself out. I walked into a class one day. I sat down at my desk and I probably missed the class like for the week or two prior because sometimes I just was working really late and didn't make it to class. And the professor handed out midterms and I didn't even know it was a midterm. Didn't even know. I looked at the girl next to me and I said, what is this? Is this a pop quiz or what is and she, her, the look on her face was just pure disgust. Like, who are you? You know, she goes, it's a midterm. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I'm telling you, I looked at that thing, read the questions and then cried, just tears streaming down my face. Because in that moment I realized I was so far removed from my commitments that I didn't know what I was going to do. So I got, I handed in the midterm, told the teacher I would email him and explain and walked out. And what I ultimately ended up doing was going to the, the counselor's office and withdrawing. But because I was withdrawing at a certain point, I ended up failing the entire semester. To make matters worse, I was on academic scholarship and lost my entire scholarship. So they said, not only not paying for this semester, you just withdrew or now failed in, um, but you're not getting your scholarship for the rest of your, you know, college career if you choose to cuck. And that was, that was a huge eye-opening moment for me because I had to make a very conscious decision. And I think everybody gets to this point when they, when they are right up face-to-face -face with failure and it's, 
what is your next move? Like, what are you going to do? I want college. Did I want to go further? Was it worth it? Did I had to really start to identify with you know, what got me here in the first place and how am I going to dig myself out if this is what I want to pursue? And so that's exactly what I did. I took the rest of the semester off. So I probably had like two months to kind of regain my composure, really put things together and uh, met with several different people um, at the school, wrote letters uh, and convinced them, hey, give me another chance. Let me prove to you that I can come back, that I can do this. Course said, you know, you're on probation. So you're, if you come back, you're on your own dime and we will reinstitute your scholarship if you prove to us at the, you know, another full semester goes by. And so long story short with that one, I ended up proving it to them, ended up still graduating on time. I had to make up for that lost semester and then some, but ultimately got the scholarship back. And, you know, I really just had to relight that fire within me and come up with grit, if anything. That, that was my way from that failure was just pure grit and resilience and understanding that nothing was going to keep me from graduating and pursuing some career at some point. So that was, that was one big failure. Another one I'll share with you. And, you know, in, in the, let's see, it would have been 2007, 2008, we had the Great Recession for those that may remember that or may, may have been affected by it. And remember, I, I mentioned that I was working in a mortgage industry, which was the hardest hit and the first hit in that recession. And so I lost my job one day. And ultimately, because I was a college student, you know, I could only take certain jobs and uh, still had to work around my school schedule that I had just recommitted to, remember? <laughs> and so I found myself failing even bigger than I knew possible, having to work a couple of different jobs to make ends meet. But I couldn't make ends meet in, in the regards to keeping my home. And so I actually lost my first home to foreclosure as a college student. So it was, it was another just huge blow to me. But what I learned from that one is that, you know, that was a long road back because it, it eats up your credit. And in so many ways, it just impacts you and it impacts you for, for quite a few years and that one really stuck, stuck with me because you were constantly reminded anytime you wanted to go get a car loan or a credit card. I mean, they were, no, no, no. You were hearing no for quite a while after that. But what I took away from that, what I chose to see in that failure was that, you know, I made it through. I, I found alternatives. No, it wasn't where I thought I'd be. No, it wasn't the, the path I thought I'd be on or in the timing I thought it would be. But I still made it through. You know, I chose to just learn from it and to take that. And I mean, ultimately, each of these failures have taught me that, you know, taking risks are worth it. And there's going to be failure. There's going to be massive setbacks that you don't see coming, but you'll still get through them regardless. Wow, that is so impactful, Stephanie. I bet there are so many women that are surprised that you would be so vulnerable and share those failures. So why do you openly share those? You know, I think, I think a lot of us, when we have failures, we feel so much shame and embarrassment over what the circumstances were around it. And instead of people seeing maybe that you were resilient when you pushed through something really hard or that you continued trying time and time again, when you failed, instead people focus on, oh, but what are they going to think of me? What's this perception going to be? And they're too afraid to share 
it, my experience honestly is, is so much different. I mean, I know how the story went for the next decade plus after that moment. And because it was triumph over failure in each scenario, because I chose to learn from each thing and I chose to keep going, I think that's what makes me realize, hey, shame, shame is pushed aside. I don't feel the shame. I want to share it with people. I want them to know I'm human and that there was, there was nothing handed to me on a platter to get to where I am now or to where that, uh, that first business ended up. There was nothing handed to me. It was, it was not easy. It would be such a disservice if I made, if I kept those failures to myself and made it seem so easy because that do for other women. You know, all that's for them is, is make them think that when they're up against something hard, that it's just them, that they seem to be having a harder time than everyone else around them. And I've just committed to, no, I'm going to peel back the curtain and peel back all the layers and just share, you know, the real of what actually goes on. That is such a good point. You bring up so many good things that we as women need to be able to share our failures so that we can teach each other and learn from each other. Do you think we attribute ourselves to failures of others? Failures that maybe weren't ours in the first place? No, I I do. I think sometimes it's easy for us to get caught up in circumstances that we find ourselves in. So, you know, for me, there's a lot more to, to the backstory. I go into it in more detail within my book. But, you know, for a long time, I, and I, I saw this with my siblings as well, we almost attributed failure to mistakes that our parents had made or specifically my dad. Um, so my dad was a, um, addicted to drugs my entire life. And I noticed that that is a struggle that's easy. I've heard that narrative from other adults, you know, when they were kids, they went through something similar, or maybe they had an abusive parent or a parent uh, that was struggled with alcoholism or just, it could be anything and they see their parent falling or they see a sibling or a close friend or relative. And because they were part of the circumstance or they were almost, which would call it collateral damage, maybe they start to, you know, project that onto themselves that maybe they're not deserving or they can't get somewhere because of what someone else in their life has done, that it's, it's held them back. And I mean, I'm here to, to tell you that, I mean, there's always two paths every single time. You can either choose to say, that's not my story. That's not my failure. That's not my circumstance, or I'm not going to let it impact me anymore. Maybe that's the proper way to put it and choose to move forward. But there's other people that still choose to remain affected by other people's uh, failures. And for some reason, believe it to be their own. Awesome. Hang on one sec. Sorry. Yes. Yes, you can. This would not be a mompreneur podcast without children interrupting. I know. He like <laughs> sends me a little message under the door. Oh, that's me a question. Yeah. That's cute. Oh, that man. is cute. So I had to that's, answer that really quick. That is so funny. Oh my goodness. Okay. Stephanie, I love that you share that. Thank you so much. So I know that our listeners are wondering like, okay, so we're learning from our failures and we're not letting them define us anymore, but what do we do when we're raising kids? So have you always raised kids and been growing a business or did you have a head start on business? I actually have always had kids while growing a business. So um, when my husband and I had our first daughter, that was, she was just a few months old when I went to him and said, Hey, you know, what if, 
what if we kind of join forces on this? What if I come and kind of jump in? And, and that's when he and I kind of came up with, you know, his role within it and my role within it. So while he was always at a physical office, I was working from home. So I had, you know, an infant next to me, like in a, in one of those play yards, or she might've been napping in the other room. Um, and then of course that turned into crazy town, right? When they're toddlers and they're very noisy and it's hard to make phone calls or you're hiding outside trying to finish a call and sound professional. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, and then of course we had a second daughter and, uh, so I have always been on the mom entrepreneur side of things. I've never known it differently. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now, now we can resonate with you because yes, all of us are, moms who have passions and a lot of us are multi-passionate and I know that some of our listeners have started on your journey where they went into something that wasn't their passion but they felt like they were kind of forced to or it felt like the next step what are some of the tips that you can give our listeners like how did you handle the phone calls with your kids around how did you manage the the little kids and all the stuff and like we're all drowning right like we're like help us how do we how do we handle those phone calls that that's a, a great question right there how do we handle those oh my goodness i i'm laughing because it just brings back these vivid memories i mean let's just let's just put it out there i mean if anyone thinks that working from home with kids in any capacity right whether you're running your own business or whether you're working from an employer but you've got kids running around in the background let me just put it out there. There's never a good age. It's always going to have, something's always going to happen. They're always going to need you like right when the phone rings. Um, I can tell you, I, so, okay, we've, we've talked about how I live here in the Phoenix area as well. And I can remember sometimes my cell phone would ring and I might've been taking the kids out to, I don't know, like the library or do, get some energy out at a splash pad or doing something, right? Cause I was always trying to break up the day to kind of feed their, feed their little souls and have some fun with them and be mom and come back and get them, you know, into something so that I could work. And I remember this moment where it was July and I was driving home with the kids and they were, they were screaming their heads off. Who knows what it was about, right? Like now someone may have took someone's graham cracker. We don't know. But I, of course, had a client call and I knew it was the client. I saw the number. I knew I had to take it. It was a time sensitive matter that I was hoping could wait till I got home so I could go hide in a closet somewhere, but I had to answer it. So I'm trying to, you know, bribe the kids to be quiet and that's not working, of course. And so I pull over into a neighborhood and I get out of the car and oh, leave the car, you know, air conditioning's on. I, like I said, it's July. The kids are strapped into their seats still, of course. And, um, I, I take the phone call and I'm trying to just kind of stand on the sidewalk, hoping this client cannot hear what's going on, you know, five feet from me. And it's they, my oldest, of course, she knew how to roll down the window. So she rolls down the window. She's screaming out the window at me. So I had to end up just telling this client exactly what was going on. And of course I'm like dripping sweat because it's July trying to, you know, deal with the semi little crisis with this client and, and screaming kids. And she ended up being so understanding because, you know, I don't know that she had kids, but she understood what was happening. And I, and then she had a good laugh with me and she, you know, acknowledged, Hey, we're human. They're little humans. They don't even understand what's going on. She's like, bless you for standing outside sweating right now. Go get back in the car. Call me when it's a better time. And it was, it was wonderful, but it's, 
sometimes I think we put so much pressure on ourselves and, you know, when things just go crazy with the kids, we just have to realize, Hey, like everything can wait. Truly, truly everything can wait. And that it, it doesn't look sure perfect for anyone. I promise you. Thank you so much for just making that so real that all of us deal with this and there's no perfect answer that's going to work every time. But I think just being able to embrace the chaos and really be open and honest with the people that we're talking to on the phone, right? Like I always felt like when, you know, when I was trying to explain to a client that I didn't want them to know I had kids, you know, because I didn't want them to feel like, oh, she's not going to give me her undivided attention, right? But when I started to be okay and comfortable with sharing the reality of my life, people understood and they, they were really appreciative of that. So I love that you bring that point up. That kind of leads me to my next question for you. Do you ever deal with mom guilt? And I guess, like when, how did you work through it? Oh my goodness. I, I am guilty on guilt. Yes. I struggled with this. And here's the thing. One thing I know about mom guilt is it is isolating. Like, have you ever been there where you, you just, it, you're, it's all coming down on you. And for some reason you convince yourself that you're the only one that's going through this. Like, oh, all these other moms, they must have it completely put together. They go and they must play games for hours with their kids. And then when their kids nap, that's when they run their whole business. And, you know, it just, you convince yourself that everyone else has it figured out. Um, I think the biggest trap with mom guilt, at least it was for me, was that I would overcommit and overcompensate for that feeling. So, for example, let's say that I was sitting in my office and I had to just be like responding to emails. Maybe I didn't really have to take calls, but I just had a lot of busy work. And one of the kid, one or both of the kids were just really craving some attention, having a hard afternoon, or maybe it was just a long work day and they just, they don't understand that. Right. So they might come in and you know, it's, why do you have to work? Why are you, you know, why are you eating again? Why do you have to take phone calls? Why can't you play with me? And those, those little humans, I mean, I don't know if they know what they're doing or not, but they, they crush us when they say things like that. And it makes you feel as if you're choosing work over your kids. That's not happening, right? Like you're trying to build something. You're not choosing your work over kids. But so what happens is we feel that little bit of guilt and we begin to overcompensate. So for me, this turned into, I will say yes to every single volunteer opportunity for both my kids at their school. I will be at every single volunteer. I will throw some crazy Pinterest worthy birthday party and spend a fortune. I will take them to all the birthday parties, all the sports, right? And suddenly I was just running myself ragged. I mean, in a bad, bad way, because I was, what I didn't realize I was doing was overcompensating for that guilt. And ultimately I had to just kind of tell myself like, no, this, this is not, this is not the way to go about it. The, the best way to go about it is to give them that, you know, undivided intentional time that they crave. And that is going to fill them up more than stuffing their week with gymnastics and dance and soccer and birthday parties here. And, you know, it, and it was, it was good for both of us when I began to peel it back and not overcommit myself. And then also peel back the commitments I was making for the kids thinking that's what they wanted, but really all they wanted was just me, just some intentional time with me. That is so true. And that leads me kind of into this 
last piece that I really want to dive deep with you on is I think as mompreneurs, we so often feel like we have to separate our business from our children. And we feel like we have to spend intentional time with them. And then we have to go hide out and work or we have to hire a babysitter and we have to keep it separate. But our reality is that it's not separate and that our lives with our home and our family and our work, they just cross paths all the time. Kind of like you mentioned, random phone calls that we get. So do you feel like, or how, I guess, do you integrate your business with your children and how do you show them kind of what it is like to be on your entrepreneurial journey? Oh my goodness. I absolutely, I love this question because I actually feel what I've come to learn right in the last couple of years since transitioning from one business and then creating a new business from scratch, you know, something that I was passionate about, found purpose in. I really, I mean, my big why was that conversation I told you about that I had in the car with the kids when I realized like, Hey, I can tell them till I'm blue in the face to go chase their dreams someday to go be whatever they want. But I mean, you and I both know this, our, our kids aren't going to do what we tell them to do. They don't do what we tell them to do now. They, they do what they see. They will model our behavior. They will emulate who their mother is, especially little girls. They see themselves in their mom. They, they, they're like, oh, that's what I'm going to look like when I grow up. You know, it's just how they, they visualize things. And so I think it is crucial to them for their future to see exactly what it is you're doing. Let them take some sort of an interest. Let them understand what it is you're building or why you're building it. And that's the biggest change, you know, for the first business that I had. And of course that my husband runs entirely now, um, since I've transitioned out, they, they know what that is, but they really know what it is that I do. And that's because I invite them in. I mean, when they know right now that I'm on a podcast interview, they know that when I'm going to speaking engagements, they ask me, what are you going to be talking about? How many women are going to be there? Did you, did any of the women say anything afterward or have questions? They're so excited to be involved, right? And it, it really, it starts to inspire your kid when you invite them into the conversation and, and also when you share with them the reality of it. Because remember, like I was saying earlier, I don't want to do this disjustice for women where I pretend like this, every step is easy or, you know, completely ignore and sweep under the rug some of the big massive failures I've had. And so that's a huge part of this for me too, is telling my kids when I apply for conferences to be a speaker and I don't get it, I tell them that. And I think that's so important for them to understand. And they watched me, you know, work through it. It took me about six months to write my manuscript for my first book. And there were days when they say, how was the writing today? What did you write about mom? And I tell them if I had a good day and what the chapter was about, or maybe a story I wrote about. But there were so many times that I said, I sat in front of my computer and I tried and just nothing came to me. It was just a day where I didn't feel, um, you know, inspired or I, I didn't feel like it was coming easy to me. And I wanted to share that too, because I know these little girls are going to grow into young women and I want them to one, know that failure is going to happen. The, the uphill battle is always going to be there, but I want them to know their mom did it so that they can emulate me with whatever career they choose someday. So I, I honestly think it's so crucial for our kids to see the journey with us as a mom entrepreneur. I 100% agree and just love everything that you just said. I think that so many mamas can take that encouragement to know that 
we as entrepreneurs, as female entrepreneurs can show our children that there is another life, that you do not have to live working for someone else, that you can have the freedom and the flexibility to work from home and to be your own boss and to really go as far as you want to go, right? So Stephanie, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I know that so many mamas are going to take what you said and use it as fuel to use those failures to fail forward. So I want you to tell us where can our listeners find you and when does your book come out? Because I can't wait to get a copy of it. (laughs) Thank you for asking. Yes. So the book is actually called meant for more and the book is slated to be released possibly in August of this year. Um, but otherwise the original plan is for the beginning of September. And, uh, so that will be coming out very soon. You can follow, um, updates and details and eventually order it on my website at uh, stephaniehendrick.com. And then I'm also on social. If you want to come visit me there, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Stephanie underscore Hendrick or find my business page on Facebook, which is meant for more LLC. Perfect. Thank you. And I will make sure that I link all of that in the show notes below. Thanks again so much, Stephanie. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. Was that not absolutely amazing? I love her spirit. I love her heart. I am so grateful for her coming on the show to share with us what real life looks like, and that chasing your dreams is never a bad idea. We have to be able to focus on what we want out of our life and go for it. Let us stop using our past failures and excuses to hold us back. So I hope that this has inspired you. I hope that you have found value in today's episode. If so, I would love for you to screenshot it, share it on Instagram, tag us at The Purpose Gathering and at Stephanie underscore Hendrick and let us know. Share it with your friends. This helps other mompreneurs just like you find the show. So thanks again for listening and I can't wait to see you next time. As always, Mama, I'm here rooting for you and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You were created to thrive with purpose and not just survive. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. To become a part of our amazing online community and connect with like-minded mompreneurs, head to thepurposegathering.com mamas. That's M-A-M-A-S to join our private Facebook group. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Be sure to follow and tag me at The Purpose Gathering. If you haven't had a chance to leave a review, please head to iTunes, even if you're an Android user, and let other mompreneurs know why you love the show. Each review is so valuable to me and helps more mamas like you find this show. I choose one review every episode to share, and yours could be the next one. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this, girl, and I can't wait until next time.